Yes, hello and welcome to the Business of Property podcast. I'm Stuart. I'm Simon. And I'm Simon. And we've been finding, buying and growing income from property for over 20 years and we talk every week about the reality of running our property businesses. And uh, as we've been mentioning in the last few weeks, we'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a rating or review. And if you do, you will get a shout out like Raisin Fudge. He left a podcast a review saying the podcast show is hugely informative and really hits the mark in discussion topics, which as a relatively new buy to let investor with aspirations for branching out, provide really useful insights, especially the worked example episodes. He also talks about Patma software, which uh, is very very good. And I just want to say thank you, Raisin Fudge, for that wonderful review. And for everyone else, if you want to join Raisin Fudge and get a shout out on the show, just leave a review and a rating in your podcast player of choice. Now, you will have heard that there are two Simons with us today. So the second Simon is, of course, Simon Glastonbury, our resident mortgage broker with over 20 years of experience, who will join us today. And we're going to do something slightly different today, which is we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive into limited company mortgages because we know that more people are buying in limited companies and there's reasons for that, uh, primarily because you get full tax relief. But if you're wondering why we are focusing on limited companies, I'm just going to refer you to some previous episodes. You've got episodes 189, 167, 140 and 135. And that they talk about how we pay ourselves through limited companies. They talk about limited company versus Section 24, which is mortgage interest rate relief or not. Um, buying property in a limited company. And also, uh, episode 135 was about whether or not you should buy in a limited company. So there's a lot of context out there for you, should you wish to go back and listen to that. So Simon G, why don't we start with, I guess the first thing people think about is what changes when I buy in a limited company? Because from my perspective, and again, this is just how I think, but I think, okay, when I was buying in a in my own name or with my partner, the first thing I think of is, is what's the multiple that I can get as a uh, with my salary? How do we start thinking about that as a limited company? Because the limited company is now our new entity, is, is us. Hi, chaps. Yeah, ab- absolutely. This is, a, this is a great topic and something which um, uh, I'll, I'll go over sort of the basics of it. So we may be teaching people um, things they already know, but also there's, there's an overlap here with... Um, limited company buy-to-lets and, and personal uh, buy-to-lets. One thing I would say straight away, um, accountants have certainly over the last few years um, cottoned on to this and in the buy-to-let market, but there's so many accidental landlords which have been going um, in the market for the last sort of 10, 20 years. Um, and pushing probably be the, uh, the right wording there to uh, move people over from a personal name over into a limited company name because of the tax breaks. Um, so certainly somebody, if somebody is looking to do it, is looking to buy um, their next uh, uh, buy to let or increase their portfolio. Certainly one thing I would do straight away, speak to your accountant because it's definitely beneficial to do it. Um, with regard to criteria, it's it's fairly straightforward. There are a lot of myths out there about it's very difficult. What do you do? How do you set up the company? Um, and if, if people haven't had the experience of owning their own um, limited company before, it may be, you know, might be a bit nervous about it. 
You know, they're going into they might be dipping their toe into the into the buy to let world, and and all of a sudden they they're owning their own limited company. One thing I'd say is don't worry about it. It's very very simple. Setting up a limited company is very cheap, as as most people know. Um, and with regard to lenders, um, their criteria with the limited company itself, or it's got a um, uh, a limited company SPV, is that it's it just needs to have it needs to be set up. These the main criteria. It needs to be set up purely for buying selling and letting or managing investment property okay it's simple as that it cannot be used for absolutely anything else now and I, I can't reiterate that enough yeah because and what i would say on that Simon, we, we've talked about that in previous episodes and, and some of those i've referred to on the podcast are going to highlight that so cool we, we don't need to go into that but it's definitely worth excellent yeah uh, underscoring that Definitely. So I make that point because I've had it and lenders have an issue with it. So you then go to look at what sort of criteria you're looking uh, um, uh, with there. With things like um, how long does this, you know, does this SPV or this limited company need to um, be in situ for? Well, the answer to that is for most lenders is day one. Um, you can have the, um, have the company set up on, and I have on numerous occasions, set the company up in the morning put the application through in the afternoon. Um, it really is. A, and the I would say the majority of lenders. Now, I'm not going to pick out the lenders at the moment because there are hundreds out there. And I would say uh, I would put my hat in the ring and say probably 70, 80 percent of the lenders would allow day one um, limited companies. So that's not a that's not a concern. So you don't have to worry about having a, uh, any sort of trading. And, and then the other question is, do you need things like um, accounts or uh, bank statements? No, you don't. I mean, you will need a bank a bank account. Yes, um, but that can follow. So don't worry about that. Um, the other question which is raised quite a bit is, well, if I have that limited company, do I need an income um, from, you know, you know I've, I've left. There's a couple of occasions where they've left companies um, or left their job um, and want to be setting up their own um, investment business, free property, whatever the case may be, and concentrate on that. Um, again, it, it's on a case by case basis. And there are lenders out there who will look at um, what type of income you have. Now, if you don't have any income at all, it's going to be tricky, you are going to be limited to lenders, um, where you can go and, and what you can do. Um, there are people out there, um, there are lenders out there who will generally look with no income at all. Or let's put it that, that the other way. They want to know that you are you have you're working. OK, but then then there's they, they haven't got a minimum requirement um, as to whatever uh, uh, income you actually need. So that can sometimes fit. Um, certainly you can use if you're if you're a full time landlord. Um, the rental income you're getting in, um, you can use that as your income requirements. And it's that people say, well, what, why do you need that? It's a buy to let. They're looking, lenders are looking, or the feedback we're getting, and they're looking at um, rental voids, um, issues with the property. Um, you guys know, doesn't always run particularly smoothly. Um, so therefore, they want to know that you have um, some sort of income in the background 
that, that just in case anything happens, it's a bit, it's another layer of security for them. Um, so, what, what sort of evidence do they request and require to for proving these these other incomes and what have you? Very, it's very much lender to lender. Um, some lenders will, if they have an income requirement, um, it will be the the, the classic case of um, pay slips or um, tax calculations for the self employed. Um, if they, but quite a few don't. Um, quite a few lenders will not have any requirement whatsoever. Um, so they simply don't. Now, we as as brokers, um, as good practice, we will always take um, proof of income in um, because, again, for us, um, it's just an ex extra layer of, of security from our side to say just, just to know that their client is happy and, and we're not putting them into a position where they can't afford it. Um, as simple as that. Yeah. The, the, the ones that do look back at at income or, or look at income currently, how far back do they look or do they, do they not really care about that? Is, is it just current? Um, yeah, pretty much. It, it's pretty much current. Again, you could look at, at things like um, that would then touch slightly on the time of employment. So um, do they have a, a minimum time? Again, it's, it's lender to lender. Um, most lenders will want a a, a minimum 12 months in a in a current position um, as a that's a general rule of thumb so if you if you go now that's not to say that if you've been away if you've been working abroad or you've been abroad or um, you've uh, uh, you've been out of work for a while um, and you want to start investing that there aren't lenders out there because there certainly are um, now that may then go slightly on the you may be going to the more specialist end of the market um, and there are a number of them out there, the smaller building societies or the likes of Fleet and Keystone, particularly who are um, will look at slightly quirkier um, Fleet are, uh, at the moment to throw a name out there at the moment are really, really good in the limited company market. They're really flexible. Um, and although they do tend to ask quite a lot of questions at um, uh, at, at application stage, um, they're really flexible and they really are trying to work with you. So someone like that will will then uh, lend us out there a help. I think it's a good place to think about the the myths that, that we're already busting. Because one of the things that frustrates me, because when you're new into property investing. You know, one of the things I heard anecdotally was, well, you know, if, if you're not earning money and you create a company, you're, you're, you know, you, you might be able to borrow, but probably not. Actually, that's not the case. There are varying circumstances. And as you say, well, there's different levers. So depending on the, the situation of your limited company and you as a person, uh, you know, some of those things might change. For example, you might have to pay a higher rate for a mortgage based on the financial circumstance of you and the business. And I think that's probably a good place to move into. The, the, the three things I tend to think about for limited companies are what changes, because this is the stuff I hear online, oh yeah, the limited company rates are so high, it mitigates any savings that you'll get from changing as a person, or the fees are really high, or the loan to values are really low. So why don't we just get into that for the listener, which is as a limited company, what can we expect changes in terms of rates and loan to value and and potentially fees? 
Great, great question. Sure, it's it's going to it the it's going to be more rate loan to value. Um, from what I'm from what I see, is not really going to make too much of an issue. Um, generally speaking, limited company buy to lets the maximum loan to value you're going to get is seventy five percent. Yes, there are going to be. There's always a caveat on 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 this. Yes, there are a few eighty five percent rates out there. Yes, they're much higher. Do they fit on stress testing? Very, very rarely. Um, uh, it, it just generally doesn't happen. It will sometime happen on an HMO property um, because the rentals that much higher, um, and you can you can stretch if you want to, but you're going to pay a premium. Um, now rates, we're going to we'll, we'll dip our toes into rate, and I don't want to dwell on this too much, um, but it sort of it, it crosses over here a little bit. Um, to you know, a for example, um, limited company lowest limited company buy to let rate on the market at the moment at seventy five percent for two years is three point nine nine percent three point nine nine we I I hear the cheers. In the background there somewhere um but we now, don't trust you simon you we don't. know we know <laughs> no. you've got something in your back pocket always, that you're gonna bring out always trust a broker Stuart. always <laughs> trust a broker um we've got that comes with a whopping great big seven percent fee oh um and uh so seven percent fee on a two-year fixed rate wowza um, I'm just going to pause there for a second because we, we talk about average property prices, right? And um, uh, based on uh, basically the uh, latest average UK house price, it's around 260,000. So I just want to call that out because 75% loan to value on that is a £195,000 if we, if we say it's 260 thousand pound average price times seven percent because i just want to bring this to life yeah thirteen thousand six hundred and fifty pounds just for a fee yep so on top of your stamp duty on top of your fees on top of your mortgage nearly fourteen thousand pounds on an average uk property to get the 3.99 i I just wanted to also have a moment of silence and somberness (laughs) to fully appreciate what that actually means yes should we bow our heads and sort of yeah <laughs> well it, it, if i if i could put the pressure on simon because we, we could play some you know we could play yeah, the funereal yeah, march yeah. just as, as Over we go the through top this. as it goes in absolutely <laughs> so we need to an, do that an edit request too far i think there, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it, it, yeah. sorry, it's, it's just just crazy because if you just think about in the current market which is drifting downwards or holding steady if you're, you're feeling more confident i mean how long is it going to take you to recoup that thirteen thousand pounds in the property value never Absolutely. mind the fact that it's thirteen thousand plus 25 percent because it's only on the mortgage part so I mean, oh, yeah i mean in theory i mean in theory this is the only way some properties will get to 75 percent that's it's as simple as that if you want if you want to buy a particular property and you have you only have 25 percent deposit the only way the stress testing is going to work is if you go if you choose a very low rate the very low rates then come with a seven percent fee Um, and i would just say on that sorry Simon, to interject you there i would just say that even if that was that was on a two-year the interest on that fee alone in my simple maths, was about five hundred and sixty pounds a year. So you're paying almost fourteen thousand pounds for the fee 
Simon P's laughing because I'm getting up on my little soapbox now. You're paying fourteen thousand pounds for the fee, and then you're paying in, in over eleven hundred pounds for the interest on that fee. Because no doubt you're going to add that to the loan because most of us don't have an extra forty k. Now, but it, and if you extrapolated that out for twenty years, of course it's an interest only. So I'm not suggesting you'd keep that for twenty years. And none of this is, constitutes any advice to anyone. And of course, the advice is here: don't trust banks. But uh, <laughs> you would pay over eleven thousand pounds on that twenty year term. So actually. You know, if you extrapolated it out, that's £25,000 just um, to, to your friendly bank person. Yeah, but the, yeah, but the capital growth in this property, you're going to make an absolute fortune, Stuart, aren't you? That's the thing. <laughs> it's a win-win. <laughs> what can you do? You get the mortgage and the capital growth is going to be huge and the rental is going to be spiralling out of control. I joke, but it, it, that's a, you're absolutely right. Um, it would be interesting... Uh, Going back uh, slightly uh, to stats I heard at a seminar uh, a week or so ago, um, lenders are, they're about, uh, applications are down to about half they were last year, month on month. So they're looking, you can clearly see, and that is going to, a huge amount of that is going to be buy to let, huge portion of that, because the buy to let market is clearly very, very quiet. We know the very residential market is 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 certainly damping down. Um, it will we'll get even quieter over Christmas because it does. Um, although, funny enough, Right Move always say the busiest time of the year on um, on searching properties is Boxing Day. Boxing Day, yeah, yeah. Which I'm not. I think that might be a bit of a marketing ploy there. I'd, I'd get. I've got better things to do on Boxing Day um, yeah. than, uh, than than that. But I think it's they have to do something. Lenders have to do. They're trying something. We, we've been joking around it for a few months now, haven't we? Um, but going back, circling back to where we were, right, what, what is the difference? What if, you, what if you have something a little bit quirky? Uh, what if you, um, uh, you know, you, you've only been in a job for a while or you turned self-employed um, three months ago? It, I mean, it's very unlikely that... You, it, I don't come across it very often where someone actually comes in and said, I don't work, full stop, but I want to invest in a property. It's unlikely because you're just putting yourself into a difficult position now because you don't know what <laughs> you don't know what what what's around the corner. But then you know you if it's if someone then something like contracting or in between contracts, that's definitely something to work for. What are you going to then be looking at? I would say I'm just looking at um, rates at the moment. I would say you're probably going to look at a, a, a rates of around about five seven five uh, on a five year fixed rate with fees. Now, fees then are about two, two and a half percent. Lenders, limited company um, buy to let lenders are pretty much across the board going for higher percentage rates. We're noticing that. Um, and is that on a 75 percent loan? That would be said, yeah, I'm just looking at 75 percent LTV. Um, so that would give you a, a bit of an idea as to uh, no, you're not going to get the 3.99 with the lovely 7 percent fee. Um, you are going to pay um, slightly over and above. But then that sort of goes back again, saying, um, and we were talking uh, a few days ago, weren't we, off, off camera, um, about the differential between residential rates and buy-to-let rates. There isn't a huge amount of difference, um, certainly at the moment. And uh, limited company buy-to-lets um, and personal buy-to-lets, that's something else, sorry, touched slightly on that with... Um, on the personal side, uh, another myth is, oh, well, I go to a limited company and I'm going to pay a lot more money. 
No, that's not the case. Quite often, and the large, it's just say larger lenders, the rates are the same um, and the fees are the same. So they have the, you know, they, they're looking, they are genuinely looking to try and try and get business in, whether it's working or not is a different matter. Um, but the rates are generally the same. So another myth, myth quashed there um, by your friendly mortgage broker um, to say that they're absolutely, they're pretty much they're the same. And I would query your broker if they're not. Um, but that might be a criteria issue. Yeah, and I, and I think that's really good in terms of just summarising that because obviously we've, 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 we've talked about quite a bit there and I, I dragged us off on a tangent. But essentially what we're saying, rates similar, loan to value similar, fees similar, uh, with the, with an asterisk saying highly dependent on your criteria, the limit, you know, the criteria of the company and and you as the individual or the director of that company. Yeah, absolutely. And I say that don't worry too much about um, uh, where your income is coming from. Um, if it's investment income, uh, I'm, I'm talking about background income here um, to, you know, to when you're looking to apply. Um, don't worry about it too much about it. It's, don't let it be too daunting um, setting up a, a limited company. Um, that's a very straightforward process. Um, income in the background, you can have it from pretty much any source, um, commercial properties, mortgage-free properties, investment income, pension income. Um, there, you know, there's also, um, it's on a case-by-case -case basis, you can also have benefit income um, or benefit-only income. Um, a few lenders will look at that. Again, I would then question, as a, on a broker point of view, well, how are you how are you looking to you know to, to are you going to be okay financially but if they're mm -hmm. using the property then as an additional source of income it can make sense you know if they've got a lump sum they're looking to invest um don't know anything about the stocks and shares market per se or, or or investments they want to invest in the property so they can get an income all that that makes sense i can see so there are different ways you can you can certainly look at it um there um that's good uh, other thing I'd, I'd certainly say going on about the property something which has come across recently um which has always been a big no-no in the um buy to let market is property above uh, property above commercial um that's another myth people are saying uh often come because i can't be above a takeaway can't be above a restaurant can't be above a laundrette ask your broker is number one but there are there are now lenders um, and more of them who will consider that, um, and that's that's a that's a fairly recent change, um, and they quite like looking at those. Again, I would imagine there aren't. It's not as much of a as, as a health risk anymore. Um, they don't have the fires in the laundrette which they were always worried about. Um, uh, so actually, it's quite a you know it, it's it's quite a good security. Um, from the lender's point of view. So again, something else, just a general buy to let um, overview. And it, and it sort of helps when you're when people are looking at property, not to discard anything, because um, you can get some really, really good, nice, sizable properties over commercial. Generally, you look at high street and, the, and the, any property over a, um, a high street um, retail unit, it's always really big. So that goes both into personal and limited company, but 
again, I would expect most people then to seriously consider buying in a limited company name. We we actually looked at buying a property over a, a laundrette, and I've talked about it on this podcast, actually. It just, and that was okay, I think. I think the... I think the loan to value was lower and it, there was obviously a number of factors really just to kind of exemplify the point that we've been talking around today. I think there were too many factors. But the other one I really liked, turns out it was over a vape shop and a barber's because it was quite a property that expanded over, you know, on a high street that went over quite a thing, went over a vape shop, a barber's and a fish and chip shop. So <laughs> it kind of... It was like really, a, yeah. It wasn't going to happen. No, it wasn't going to happen. You've hit the jackpot there on every in the in every sense. Yeah. Oh, the the key one was the vape shop, just to make it re- really interesting. Also sold fireworks, so you can imagine <laughs> the local bank surveyor going out to that. Yeah. So so do we do we really trust this security yeah. is going to stay up for a period of time for the twenty yeah. years that we're going to provide this mortgage? Yeah. Yeah. Didn't, I, didn't I work would... out. No strange that, isn't it? I, I, yeah, absolutely. Apart from like someone at the front lighting matches all day long. I mean, I'm not really sure what else. Um, I would, yes, refer to your, uh, again, refer back to the broker on that one. And what we can do and quite often is the lenders are offering a really good, uh, some of the lenders are offering really good service. So you can call up the lender um, on behalf of the client and say, oh, they're looking at this. They're looking at this firework shop next to a bomb disposal unit and um seeing if it's if it's okay um but something like that i would have probably said straight away you're going to struggle on that one um but on as an individual unit um you know there are a lot of retail units out there which are because they also know these things retail units chop and change don't they um, one minute they're a charity shop, next next week they're a vape shop, next week they're something else. Um, takeaways and restaurants open and close all the time, so they know these things can change anyway. Um, so definitely worth worth thinking about. And they they generally are. They can be very very good rentals. The only thing you've obviously on the back end of that is well, what's resale like? Um, what's that going to be like in five ten years time? Because although buy to let lenders like it not all of the high street lenders like it so if you're then looking to sell on to a first-time buyer or a, or someone who's moving just wants to be in a in a high street um is it going to be you know is it going to be saleable later on that's something you've got to sort of look at the bigger picture for but so uh, putting firework shops aside um how does sort of the paperwork side of things compare between personal names and limited companies is there any difference really in what people would expect there? Not really, no. Um, there is, there's a, there's a, a, some additional work we do on our side, but but minimal. Um, it really is minimal. Um, we have to take details about the company, the directors, the shareholders. Um, generally, you only need to know about the shareholders if they've got a, more than a 25% holding. Um, but no, not a, not a huge amount more that some... Some of the lenders, I say some, I can't think of any who don't, will want a personal guarantee um, because it's a brand new um, limited company, um, which is fairly standard. It's pretty much what you would be signing for if you're buying it in your own name. Yeah, um, my, my experience was that a few years ago, we, I would say that when I transitioned from personal to limited, it felt like there was a lot more paperwork from a from our side so for personal mortgage 
because we had to do like three years, you know, we had to, at that time, we were providing accounts, we were doing portfolio schedules and so on. My experience is that, it, that personal and because of all the changes that the government have done, I think it's caught up. So the, the, the level of administration is not, a, it's not as huge a jump um, because for a limited company, and, you know, we've talked about this in the past, the reason the government kind of, well, I hope one of the reasons they did it was because they wanted uh, better accounts, you know, so that, so they were so they could shore up the people that were running buy to lets that maybe let's just say off book is the simplest way to say it. But it feels to me like, and I, I suppose I haven't done a personal for a bit, but I'm guessing now that the expectation from the banks has been raised. So where more people are buying in limited companies, they kind of their expectation is, well, we'd want that same information, whether you are buying as Mr. Smith or buying as Smith Limited. Oh, actually, we want the same level of information because it gives us a better understanding of the security of the of the the entity that we're loaning to. So it, it feels to me like it's it's, it's yeah, grown. It yes. It has. I mean, there are, I think originally, if you remember when we were looking at it, I can't think how many years ago it was, Stuart, but five years ago, maybe something like that, when people looking um, or going into limited company name, they were looking for, lenders were looking for a business plan, Um, uh, quite a detailed assets and liabilities schedule. Um, The portfolio, um, so those sort of things have gone because they just simply, it was all new to them. They didn't really know what to do. The business plan was fairly, if they're honest, was completely worthless um, because I never had one come back saying, well, we don't actually like that. Um, you're then, what because you're, what were you doing? You're sending it over to an underwriter to then start understanding what a business plan was looking like. Um, that's not their field. So it, that was very difficult. But it was, I think, from a lender's point of view, it's a tick box exercise, right? Okay, this is an extra layer of security we've gone through. The The additional work um, for us poor, us poor old brokers um, are portfolio landlords. Um, that's where the that's where the administration and time comes from, um, inputting all the properties over and over again. Um, and probably um for someone like yourself Stuart, is is then um if you've got the once you've got that information where you don't have to go over it again i then you with a with a portfolio landlord i don't have to then go back and say oh can i have all of your mortgage account numbers all of your balances all of your rental it's just a quick right okay is this up to date and however many yeah fine um most clients really like it as well you've got a spreadsheet although i find most clients will then have their own spreadsheet um, that's a sensible move straight away because it gives you all the information. But if they don't, we've got one. Um, and then we, that all gets passed over to the lender. So that is something. Now, that's something I'll go going back. Good criteria points. Um, glad you brought it up. Um, it's um, with portfolio landlords. Again, it's something if they haven't done anything recently or they're looking to do something in the, in the future, now, some lenders will stress test the whole portfolio, okay, at certain rates. We did go talk about stress testing. I won't go on to about stress testing um, and ICRs today um, because it's a minefield, um, but certainly talk to your broker. And what I would say is if you want something very generic, you can get it online. You can work out this, what the stress testing being, that how much rental you need for a particular property and how much you can borrow. 
I'm just going to mention, because I'm I'm one of these people, when someone mentions an acronym, I like just to break it down, because in in corporate land, I used to hate hearing acronyms, because everyone assuming that we are. So ICR, interest coverage ratio, and that is where um, earnings, so we divide earnings before interest and taxes by the total amount of interest expense on all companies' outstanding debts. So that is as much as we're going to say, but we see it as a bit of a rental cover calculation. But essentially, it's the bank trying to understand what the exposure of the limited company is to existing borrowing and whether or not the additional borrowing is going to stretch that too far and then their security or the money that they're going to lend you to buy is at risk or not. And that is my very simple, I hope, explanation of that. Perfect. Loved it. Lo- loved that. That sort of is, uh, that was as if you read it off the um, <laughs> off the internet. But I, I did I not Google. It. I no, did not I did Google, not Google ICR. No. Absolutely. But that's perfect. It, exactly. We can and, and again we can go go in more detail at another time because it can go. But but generally generally speaking, that's what you're looking for. You need to know when you're looking at a, a buy to let. You need to know what the rental, it, the potential rental of the property is and the value, and then your broker can then uh, look at. The appropriate lenders and who fits because different lenders have different um a different criteria and that then goes on very important then for the broker then to know exactly um what your portfolio looks like because some of those lenders will then um uh, stress test your whole portfolio so in their eyes to ensure you're not um you're not again running at some sort of loss or to you're geared up too much um, but then uh, there are other lenders, larger lenders out there who will not look at, look at your portfolio at all, as long as it's basically washing its own face um, and they don't see anything. They will, a lot of people will then just generally look over the portfolio. Some won't look over it at all. As long as it's on file, they're happy. It, again, that's where we come in. Thinking about people with portfolios or perhaps thinking of building their portfolios, something I see online from time to time is a suggestion that you should you should set up a, a separate SPV, a separate limited company for every property you buy. Do you, do you think that's a, a requirement or a sensible way forward? Um, I've, I've, I'd, I'd love to know that. Simple answer is no. <laughs> that just sounds I, like I could tell that action, just by your yeah, face. Yeah, I was like, my head was just about to explode. Then all I'm thinking about is the admin to that is going to look at. Right? Can we have the uh, last three months pay? Uh, um, uh, bank statements on each of your properties and each of your SPVs. I mean, the, the your accountant will have the head. It will explode. Your mortgage broker's head will explode. Your head will probably explode. Um, the, so will your bank. I'd, I'd love to know the rationale behind it. There's there's obviously someone has thought of something and think, right, OK, this is what we need to do. I've seen it before where people put um, uh, properties and they've either developed or they are going to develop into a separate SPV. That's fine. You can you can see the reasoning behind that um, costs and uh, whatever. If it's a big development, um, I can see that each one. I why would be the the question now? I don't think it would particularly help. I, my head would explode thinking of how I would input that um, with each lender with each limited company. Um, I hope that doesn't happen, Simon. To be honest. <laughs> that would not be good for me. No, no. I, I think that, that was another another good myth to uh, to bust. I think yeah, so. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that there's a big point around there about around size, because if you're talking about properties 
that are multi-million pound properties or developments, then of course that makes sense. And then your accountancy fee becomes just a, a minuscule percentage of that versus if you're buying properties for 30, 40, 50,000 pounds plus creating 10 different SPVs for that. Again, there has to be a very good reason. So I think you've covered that off very well, Simon. So as we wrap up, the one thing I just want to say to people is, is we are talking about this from a perspective of just trying to help everyone understand a little bit more about the positioning of mortgages and limited companies. This is, of course, for everyone to really look into for themselves. We are not necessarily advocating it, although clearly we do it. You know, we buy limited companies for our reasons. Of course, it's up to you and your own situation to, to work out if that's right for you. And again, we've talked about that on previous episodes. So please do look those up. If you've listened this far, we're assuming that you are enjoying the show and you've got some value. So if so, please do leave at least a rating on your podcast player of choice. And if you feel that way inclined and want a shout out, please do also leave a review. Other than that, it just leaves me to say thank you once again to Mr. Simon Glastonbury for sharing his experience with Simon and myself today. And other than that, we'll see you on the next episode. Yeah.